This is the Rebellious Wellness Over 50 podcast for women over 50 who aren't done yet. You may have seen the worst of aging and are hoping there's a better way. There is, and I'm going to show you how. In interviews, book reviews, rants, and stories each week, I'm going to bring you the latest science-based info on how to age better. I'm Gregory Ann Cox, and I believe it's time to bust the myth that aging equals decline in every area of life. It pisses me off, and it's BS. Look, aging happens, but it doesn't have to ruin your life. You just need to get a little rebellious in your approach. Welcome back, everybody. This week's guest is Carl Reeder coming to us from South Africa, all the way from South Africa. And this is, you know, we talk about the foundational pieces of healthy living and healthy aging, and one of them is exercise. And as you may know, if you've ever been injured by doing an exercise, there are right ways to do them and wrong ways to do them. And it seems after working with Carl for a little bit and studying what he does, that a lot of us are doing things that make us more prone to injury or might cause us pain or to get crooked because of the way we've been taught to do exercise. So this is going to be a great call. Welcome, Carl. Thanks for joining me. Thanks, Greg. Thanks for having me on the show. Sure. Let me just give you a quick rundown about Carl's CV, shall we say. So he's a functional movement coach, and we're going to talk about what that exactly means. He's also a personal trainer. He has a background in exercise physiology and Pilates. So he's been doing this for a really long time. And one of the things that he noticed when he was working with clients, training them as a physical trainer, is that some of the methods that we mostly all learned in gyms and rehab, they weren't working for everybody. Some people would get better, some people wouldn't, especially people with knee and shoulder pain and lower back pain. So we're going to talk about what Carl learned through his, you know, working with people and his own methods, developing this in part for his own body and for his own, uh, you know, safety and comfort as a personal trainer. But first, I want you to tell us what the heck is a functional movement coach? So it's simply just understanding what functional movements are, just the body's natural movements that it uses to perform natural and functional activities around the house or in sports. So, like things like pulling, pushing, bending, lifting, squatting. But, you know, if you look at so many of the exercises that we do in the industry, so many of them are not positions or movements that we would do in real life. And so that was a big turnaround revelation or insight that I had many years ago. And I started asking the question, why are we giving our clients and why am I doing exercises that just don't make sense to me? Even though they were making the muscles stronger, they were, I was straining other parts of the body. And I noticed that sort of pattern in my other clients. They would say, I feel my glutes on my tummy, but my back hurts, my neck hurts, my elbow hurts. So that caused me to really go. So that's, that is, so functional movements is exactly that. It's just those natural movements. Yes, you burst my plank bubble. (laughs) A lot of people that know me know that I love a good plank challenge and I use it to strengthen my core. And tell me, tell my listeners what you told me about the plank. Well, again, if you think about it, when would you ever be in a plank position unless you were doing a 100-day plank uh, challenge? And I think the, the thing is, is a plank effective at strengthening the core muscles? Absolutely. Uh, there's, you know, that's, that's, you know, you've got science to prove that and back that, and you know, many people have done the plank. But it's, if you look at the plank, it's, it's a static exercise, so you're standing still. There's, there's no movement involved. And the, the, one of the problems is you, you've got every, almost every single muscle in the body uh, taking strain and loaded, and it's, that's not just how the, bus, the, the body really works. 
but there is what they call isometric, if your audience is familiar with that. So the muscles are working under load, but they're not changing the length. So that is the benefit of, of the plank, and that's what made the plank, in a sense, famous. But it's just, you know, there are many other versions that you can do that don't require you to be in that position. And I want to mention to people that are listening, especially at this time of COVID, so many classes have gone online. One of the reasons I wanted to have Carl on is not just to talk about this, but so that you could actually experience it. You can go to his website and see a little bit more. We'll talk about that. You could actually work with Carl like we are right now on Zoom. For those of you listening, we're on Zoom talking to each other. So one of the questions that I know will come up in people's minds is what's the difference between a physical therapist like going to PT and a physiotherapist, which is more what you do? Well, I do more exercise physiology. So physiology. I think in South Africa, we call it a physiotherapist. In the US, I think it's physical therapist. Yeah. So we more, a physio is more involved in the initial phases of injury. So when you've hurt yourself, you get the inflammatory response. You have to, physicists have to start getting that, regaining your motion back, getting your mobility back. They control and manage pain and use devices and, and a lot of equipment to do that, heat and cold. Where what I do is more the exercise side. So we in South Africa, it's different from the U.S. because in the U.S., the physical therapists take you through the whole range. They take you from initial right through to full recovery, where in South Africa, our physios generally focus just on the initial phases and then they sort of just leave you there. <laughs> so that, that's why we had, we, I'm actually what's called a biokinetics. So it's, a, it's, it's, we don't have it in the, in the U.S., but it's got a medical, but part of it's medical and then the other part is more exercise. So that's why, just for the audience, I just call myself an exercise therapist. So. Mm-hmm. So that's what we do. We focus on exercises to, to strengthen and rehabilitate rather than hands-on approach like a physio. And you also work with people that are not recovering from something necessarily, may want better posture, better results from the work they're doing. You work with people like me with scoliosis, which I thought was really interesting. I'm the last guy people see, so <laughs> I'm like their <laughs> last hope. So yeah, like they've been to a chiro, they've been to a physio, they've been to a doctor. They don't want to go for surgery, so they end up, well, try a call. You know, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so we, you know, it's, it's, it's a difficult cases, but I, I love those cases because often sometimes it's the small things that are overlooked that can make those get people well. Yeah, so in the session that you and I had that you did with me, it was literally like, no, move your foot an inch forward and then do this or an inch backward and then do this lean, put your gaze three inches more forward, right? It was very minute little adjustments to the mechanics of sitting and standing that you were helping me with that I could feel immediately a difference in how I was doing them. It was pretty amazing. It's just 20 years of observing, you know, like I, I joke with my family and friends and I, I spend my whole life watching people get up and down over a chair, you know. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> Your life is uh, so exciting, Carl. Yeah, and, and, and it's my passion, you know, like I, I just, it, because it brings so much, I, I watch so many people just get tremendous results and breakthroughs from doing simple, by those simple changes. So, you know, it's, it is, like you said, it's the small things that make it, but it takes so long to find those small things. Even in a Pilates class, I'll, I'll, I'll instruct, just look 10 degrees up. Don't look straight in the straight away. The, the neck pain's gone or the shoulder pain is eased. It's, it's, but that takes time. I mean, I don't, I'm still learning every day, like little, little secrets. So it's, but yeah, it takes time to learn those. Oh, absolutely. Does this kind of exercise help people get in shape? Like if I stop doing, you know, plank and it really does strengthen my core, are there other things that can replace that same kind of result? Absolutely. Yeah, there's, there's 
Function, I think functional training is, a, and it's, it's why it's such a big buzzword or trend at the moment. It's, it's such an effective way to strengthen the whole body. But the, the problem that I see is that many of the functional exercises are dysfunctional. Um, <laughs> so the squat, for example, the lunge, for example, many of the shoulder exercises, the plank is even called a functional exercise. There's many there that, that are classified as functional. So once you get the technique right, which is what I help my, the, the clients online with, is then you can you, know, you, you get tremendous strength benefits. And, and actually, you get better muscle. You get the muscle balancing as well, which is why I'm so passionate about functional training rather than just doing sort of isolating muscles. Because you're working the whole body as opposed Correct. to, you know, in this allopathic medicine, it's almost like we zero in on the one thing that's hurting and the rest of the Correct. body gets ignored when in fact it's all one big. Yeah. So if you just take a simple bicep curl, like, a, you know, you see the women doing bicep curls. If you do that properly, you've got your whole, the lower back muscles have to stabilize the neck on the one side has to, to destabilize and, and mobilize. So it's, it's all connected, but we've been so programmed to just do up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down, you know, and it's just the body's, you know, it's not used to that sort of move. It's, it's what I call, and I always joke with the guys in the industry that, that the functional, the, the, the healthcare or fitness industry is way ahead in robotics because we've been, we've been moving <laughs> like robots for the last like 10 years and you laugh, but think about all the movements down, up, down. It's just, it's so robotic in nature. That yes. there's no now we're trying to move into that fluidity and, and that's why a lot of people are drawn to things like the eastern stuff like tai chi qigong but it's it, it's more flowing movements though. yeah i've yet to try i have taken a uh, tai chi class one tai chi class but this is will make you laugh so tai chi is like you said supposed to be flowing and lovely and relaxing and the instructor i was in southern california and the instructor was an ex-navy seal and okay. he taught this thing that was just rigid and like oh, no. robotic. It was like, do it now, do this, move here, move there. And I thought, I didn't think Tai Chi was going to be like this. No, and, and it's, but I work with a lot of those Eastern, because a lot of the, I consult for quite a few of the guys in Australia on this topic. And a lot of them are doing the yoga, Tai Chi, Qigong um, and stuff. And it's just, even some of those poses that I, I explain to the people, like I know they, they've been taught, but they're just not natural positions. So if you, don't struggle with it. People will often say, oh, I don't see what's the problem. But if you do have knee or back problems, you will feel it pretty quickly compared yes. to moving naturally or functionally. Now, I think we talked about yoga because I do love to do yoga. And as lots of my listeners are also yoga people. And you're not saying we should not do yoga. You're just saying that some of the poses may not be right for every single body. And that some of the poses may need a little adjustment to get the full benefit and not injury, injure ourselves. Correct. And, and I think working with, I mean, there's some wonderful yoga teachers out there that, you know, it's, that's why also the one-on-one, -on -one, if you can do that, that really helps because they can, but it's, you know, the, the thing is with us, the yoga teachers often, I'm generalizing here, don't have a sort of a medical background. So they've been taught a specific, so it's, it's that's the, I think the subtle changes between what I do is that you're teaching those movements, but with the medical background and, and spinal mechanics. So you really if people do struggle with a twinge or a pain, you're able to modify it or quickly adjust or, or explain the pain as opposed to just sort of, sort of have to be taught, oh, this is a modification, but you can work around. And, and, and I like disrupt the sequences in the yoga pattern. So I'll tell my clients, rather do those first, then do that one and leave out that one and bring it back at the end. And then they feel their back's better. Where if they stick to that regimented sort of routine, then they just they end up hurting themselves. Mm -hmm. It's so unique and so different. Yeah. Yeah. And the pain 
that you're, we're talking about all different kinds of pain, you know, what, whether we get it from yoga or not. Do we have to feel pain in order to get results? Forget the kind no, of pain, like a yeah, twinge in your back, but you know, the pain all, you got to have pain to get gain. You don't believe that. Yeah. Do no, I'm not into the no, the no pain, no gain thing, but uh, you know, I think, and that's a great point, Greg, is that a lot of the people don't just differentiate between pain and, and strain or muscle working hard. They, they just assume like I've got this killer pain in my back, but it must be because I'm working hard or, you know, my, my, you know, they, they can't differentiate. They struggle to differentiate between that especially with your stretches, you, you will ask them, do you feel, say, I feel a stretch in the inside of my shoulder. And I'm like, that's compression. That's not stretching. And then they go, Oh, okay. And then they get out of it. So it's, you know, and again, that's where working with someone really helps you to just before you hurt yourself, because you know, some people don't feel it and some people do, do feel it, but yeah, you don't want to be pushing through pain to get a result. Now, some people say, everything was fine. And I just reached over to get a book and I ripped out my shoulder or I, you know, tore my back bending down to get my shoe. Is it that something has been going like we've been doing damage all along in that habit? Is it possible that literally you're, you could be perfect and then a muscle just goes or a shoulder just gets out of joint? Yeah, absolutely. It's like the, what so they said, like the, the straw that broke the camel's back where it's just that last bit of or you happen to put in that position. So is it because we've been doing things to to weaken that area all along and we just didn't know it? Like you were saying, some people feel things, some people don't when they do an incorrect movement. Yeah, and, and I mean, some people just also ignore the pain. It's just, you know, mm. I find, I mean, this respectfully, but a lot of the, 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 sort of the older generation sort of just accepts that as normal part of life. I, 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 I mean, I work with a lot of people over 50 Hence me reaching out to you on your podcast. But I was just saying there's such a belief that they're like, well, you know, Carl, this is an old sports injury. Oh, well, you know, this neck has been sore since a car. And I just, they just sort of leave it and then it gets worse. And that's often what happens is that they move and then it's a shoulder and then they say, well, too late now, I can't change. So they just live with the pain, which, you know, or they live on medication. Yeah, I, I'm glad you brought that up. It is one of my, part of my big why is for those people, whether it's, an old sports injury and it can't change or I'm just going to feel worse because I'm getting older. It's my mission to get that eradicated. <laughs> I don't, Brilliant. I want people I'm to right know that they have that. options and not every option is the right one for everybody. However, an open mind and a little bit of digging to find a person who might be the right person is what I want people to feel that they have the power, you know, by giving them resources yes. such as you. Well, the thing is, they don't, they don't, like you say, if you don't have the options, so they don't know, yeah. no one's maybe People spoken to about functional movements. So, you know, they find yeah. maybe this hurts them and then they just do nothing because there's no alternative. Yeah. And pain is, it, it's a thief. It robs us of, you know, the enjoyment of, never mind enjoyment of life, but it's hard to focus. People with chronic pain are nodding their heads right now. I know they are. It's hard to focus on anything else when you have chronic yeah. pain. And Absolutely. some chronic pain may need a surgery. I'm not, we're not saying that there is never an occasion to have a treatment or a surgery, just that some of the things that don't need to go that far can be handled by adjusting how we use the body. Yeah. And it's a good segue into just the, the whole chronic thing, because, you know, if, if your muscles are, if you have pain because your muscles are weak or because your pelvis is out of alignment, or there's so many reasons when you go to a chiropractor or a physio, they'll give you a whole lot of these you know, you've got muscle imbalances. If it was simply just balancing muscles or align the pelvis, which you can get at a chiro or a physio or even a massage therapist can help you with that or body, someone who's an expert in body, 
then the pain should go away, but it, it doesn't. And, and I think that's where people need to be asking that question of well, why is that? Why is the pain keep coming back? And I think that's the, 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 when I say segue into the sort of the mind body side as well, that we're realizing through science and information that there's just, it's so much more than just balancing the muscles, that, that our thoughts and emotions and our beliefs are intimately connected with movement. And I think that's what's throwing the, the span in the works when it comes to the, and I mean, it's respectfully to the medical community, but again, they, they, they struggle to grapple with this life. It's just very clinical and trying to be, like you said, open-minded to like, yeah, there is a mind aspect to it as well. Not even an aspect, a big part. Absolutely. The mind is where hormonal cascades, one of the ways that a hormonal cascade, meaning inflammation, stress hormones, those things start with a thought quite often. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, an injury produces an emotion. So the injury is creating something in the body. The emotion adds another layer of something in the body. And I think you and I had a conversation where we both agree that if a person can't release the trauma or identify, if not exactly the moment of the thought, you were five, now you're 50, you had a thought and it made you, you know, have a backache. But it is true that these things linger, muscle memory, emotional memories affect the body. And, and I haven't, I can't prove this yet. We'll get the numbers in a year or so, but this COVID-19, I think has put a lot of people, depending on where you are in the world, in, in, a, in a, it's been a stressful time. Yes. And I think financially, global economics, now we're going off course a bit, but it's just, that's going to, you'll see a lot of these pains get emerge now in, in people's lives. And it will be either back trouble or knee pain that could be totally unrelated to muscle imbalances, but maybe the stress that they're going through. It, it, there's so many things, the mental stress as well. So, you know, I'm, I'm bracing for, for a lot of people to be struggling with their, their bodies through this time, you know, unfortunately. But again, just indicates that strong connection between the mind and the body. Absolutely. Tell me what you told me. I don't remember exactly you were saying about men will have more pain on the inside than women <laughs> yeah. generally. Tell me about that. Look, this is, this is completely, I don't want to say unscientific, but just observational, empirical, mm -hmm. or whatever you call it. And, um, but yeah, in my, in my over 20 years, I noticed with that, with my patients, that right side of body pains were much more common in men. Um, and, and that's a generalization. And then on the, with women, it's the, the left side. That's the, the common thing. And, and just a quick link there, like with women, it's more relational. So any sort of relational stress that can be in relationship to friends, family, or cats can be just your, <laughs> even yourself, how you view yourself, negative body images, thoughts, it, it just is so connected. So that's um, the big thing. And then men are on the right side. That's the ego side. It's the power. It's the striving. It's the trying too hard. It's, but it's also linked with anxiety and worry. It's a big, and fear. Those are the three big things. Worry, anxiety, and fear are right-sided, generally right-sided pains. There's also, I think, the Chinese, they've got a thing with the mum and dad, right and left. I get confused, which, which is on those. But they, they also bring that side in as well. So it's, but it's so liberating how if you just can touch and i think that's where that i also help my clients is like if you just tell them to stop stressing it's so unhelpful <laughs> you know but if, if you and i think most people know there's something that's underlying they've got a they've got a excuse upon like a gut feeling but i think if you can say to them you know are you struggling in a relationship in this area in your life and they'll be like how did you know and i'm saying i don't know but i'm just you, you the symptoms that you're showing are potentially indicating that you may be and it's back, like straight away and as I said, I don't psychoanalyze my clients. I just, just to help them, like give them some extra bit of like, just think about it because before you go spend another couple of thousand dollars on treatment, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, and that goes back to what you were saying. Why does the pain keep coming back? 
In part, it may be wrong movement, a movement that's injuring or causing the grief to begin with. And it could also be that we're carrying, literally carrying this emotional weight or pressure in the body, in the muscles. Absolutely. Yeah. So you work with people that are, who is your oldest client? I think 80 something? 85. He's a 14 handicapped golfer. Yeah. So he's, you know, wow. Well, been great the longevity yep so i've got quite a few clients that have over 80 and, and numerous clients in the 60s and 65 who, who don't want to be doing the hardcore you know high intensity stuff They're just looking for that maintenance and longevity yes and i was going to ask about the you mentioned about the 80 i think it was a woman you were talking about how you've seen improvement from when she started with you improvement in tell us what how did she improve well I mean, I have a lady, she's 85 and she's, you know, had diabetes for 60 years, type one. And, um, you know, she's was wheelchair sort of bound. And just by doing strengthening exercises in a chair, she was able to get back up and walk and get the spine right. She also had scoliosis, but at 85, you're not going to straighten that. But at least she was functional, you know, and, I, and it was, we had a routine. It took us about 15, 20 minutes online. And, and she just went through that two, three times a week and was just amazing to see. Yeah, and even the mind, you know, she was struggling with a bit of not depression, but just was just in a wheelchair. And so she just, just, it just hits on so many different levels. So it was incredible to watch that. And there's even guys in the US now showing the difference, like at a 75 year old, they do a cross section of the calf muscles, how they show, and it's majority fats and versus muscle. And then after like a six week training program, it's the other way around 60% muscle and the other percent fat. So it, it, you can get changes, you know. And that should be good news for anybody listening who feels that they can't exercise because they're in a wheelchair or because they have spinal stenosis, pain in the knees, which keeps them from walking as much as they want. If you can get some of that back by 15 Absolutely. to 20 minutes, three or four times a week, people, that's extraordinary to me. Look, it, it's, it's hidden. It, not hidden it, it works. It, it's, it, you know, it's like saying to the, the other guys that are there, like it, you, with exercise, if it's done correctly, there's, there's generally only positive side effects. But when it's done incorrectly, like anything, it can be damaging. But if you do it correctly, you, you will feel, if you may not even, the pain not be gone, but you might, digestion's better or your mental health's better. But strengthening the muscles, and then there's a quick thing for the audience as well, is that, that it's used, muscles are just seen for movement, you know, skeletal muscle moving the skeleton. But now the science is showing that these muscles not only store memories, which is you talked about now, but also touched on, but they also, they have a hormonal function. So they almost become like a, like a hormonal organ. They, they secrete these what's called cytokines that regulate inflammation and, and anti-inflammatory. So you've got so much going on there. So just the just contracting your muscles with a bit of load safely has so many different effects. Immune, immune boosting is all that side as well. Absolutely. I think many listeners now are more familiar with the word phage, microphage, macrophage, that's it, the, that's it. The infection fighters, because we're all thinking about the virus. And I, all, I remember many, many, 20 years ago or so, I was, who knows, I had a flu, I had a cold, maybe not the flu, but I had a bad cold, bronchitis. And this massage therapist that I was seeing, she said, you know, you should get out and take a walk. I lived near the beach at the time. And I thought, I'm not walking. I'm sick. I have to stay in bed. And then I started reading about it, you know, ever the researcher. And it's true that a little bit of exercise movement to get the blood flowing if you are sick, but well enough to move. Obviously, I don't want anybody going out that has pneumonia really does help mobilize all those infection fighting little organisms Absolutely. in the body. 
And blood yeah. flow alone. Talk about blood flow. It's an amazing thing to get the blood going. Oh, absolutely. And as you said, just going for a walk. And I think that's another thing, like why a lot of that generation, the older generation just generally is that they've been given these standards, like you've got to have a blood pressure of like 120 over 60, otherwise you're going to die, you know, like, and it's like, you know, it's, or you've got to be on medication or like, if you're not doing four times a week, 45 minutes, some sort of intensity cardio, then you're going to, uh, you're not going to be healthy. But like I said to my clients, if you can just walk, like you say, five to 10 minutes a day, and often the person will say, like, well, what's that going to do? How's it going to change? I'm like, that movement, just like you said, blood flow, digestion, mind, the mental side of that. It's, but so the blood flow, yep, just you need, you need oxygen. You need to clear the toxins. You need that, that strain on the cardiovascular system. So for good heart health, to keep the elasticity, because as you get older, you get calcification, the arteries, so there's a stiffening which is why the blood pressure does tend to go up. But that's also, um, I'm not going to digress too much on that, but it's important that, that the listeners also understand that the blood pressure should go up slightly as you get older. You know, this yeah. idea that you've got to maintain this level puts a lot of pressure on people, you know. Excuse yeah, me. I'm really glad you brought that up. I was thinking about somebody that I'd like to interview and they were talking in this article about elder adults, higher blood pressure makes sense because the blood has to work, the heart has to work harder Harder. To move that blood around, when it works harder, it beats more. That equals high blood pressure. So Correct. when the doc is saying to somebody who's 75 and their blood pressure isn't that perfect 120 over 80, they want to put them on a medication. But then the medication has side effects and they sometimes lower them, the kidney pressure. It's a ball of wax that we don't need to get tied up in, I don't think. you know. But more of this kind of research has to be made public. And I'm not sure that the pharmaceutical companies that make blood pressure medications want a lot of people to know this, but that's just me being cynical, maybe. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's just, uh, I mean, it's just quickly for the listeners, you've got, you've got the blood pressure and you've got the blood pressure medication, like you said, and then you've got the, the cholesterol, which is a big problem as well. And um, the problem there is they give you these statins and um, these cholesterol-lowering medications, and that actually reduces what's called your coenzyme Q10. And coenzyme Q10 shoves the oxygen into your cells. so. When you block that coenzyme Q10, your heart is saying, well, hang on, we've got to get the, we've got to get the, the oxygen into the cell. So it has to pump harder. And then your, blood, your heart rate goes up, so you get medication for your heart now. Just to, to learn. So it, it just becomes a mess, you know. And, and, and then the people who try, try to exercise, they can't get oxygen into the cell, so it goes into anaerobic, but it's, they don't have the, the, the mitochondria thing. So it just becomes a nightmare, to be honest. That's the digression completely, but it's, it's, it's easy to go off on these tangents, but you know, we're again, it's, you were talking about the body and getting the blood flowing in the heart. So I think it makes sense. It was a good little rabbit <laughs> hole to go down. <laughs> One last thing that I wanted to ask, how do you know if you need this kind of adjustment to your workouts or your walking or. In terms of how do you know if you want to choose functional training over other. Yeah. For me, it's, it's, it's like, if you want to, like move optimally and you want to, you want to get breakthroughs in, in, in muscle, muscle imbalances and restrictions and even manage pain. I think that that's to me the big benefits of learning how to move. And you know, you're doing it every day. Like we talked about the other day, climbing stairs, bending, carrying stuff. And you, you, their core strength is essential, but how you strengthen the core is even more important. So that is vital. <laughs> so yeah. it's, it's, it's just it looking, if you're looking for the optimal, safe, natural way to get strength then especially as you get older because you're going to start to damage the joints so i feel like this is a much more safer i want to say gentle but it's i mean i train I, I train elite athletes as you know as well so we can step up the program but 
We're always looking for that sort of, you know, that's going to give them mobility without, you know, not being able to walk for two, three days afterwards kind of stuff. <laughs> I wasn't quite that bad after I said <laughs> We talked yesterday. I know we wanted to bring this up. Speaking of getting older and how important our balance is. So if the core is stronger, we might tip over, but we may be able to catch ourselves before we fall. We talked about getting the test that measures whether you're going to fall and have a fracture or something. And that is getting up from the floor without using your hands. So you sit down. Not from the floor, because that would be quite impressive. But I think from a No, no, but the one in America, yours might be from a low chair. Ours in America is getting up from getting down and then back up without using your hands. Okay, that's... There's probably some 19-year-olds that can struggle with that, but I think like... I'm so glad you said that. In fact, I just had a 19-year-old professional golfer who couldn't get up from like one foot high. It was impossible. So I think getting up from the floor is very optimistic. I think if you were to give anybody (laughs) over 50, sit on the floor and get back up, they would really struggle. And then again, like with my clients, we know over 50, 60, I'd rather get them at about about a foot high, maybe a little higher. We say, I don't know what is in inches, but 40 centimeters, so maybe like 16 centimeter inches. Okay. Lower than your average chair. Basically, your hips are slightly lower than your knees. That's, but you need that strength. You, you, you see, like we talked about that, those blue zones, you know, the, the, those people in those countries are up and down off logs or chairs or, pay, you know, they, they're up and down all the time. And they, that's like a, such an easy exercise for them. But we've lost that. And that's, we've lost that functional strength. Yeah, that's, yeah, that actually is function, a good example of functional strength, just getting up getting down and you if you can get up if you can get up from one foot like with the right technique which i show and and help people through you will get tremendous hip mobility like you can't believe and in fact you actually begin to really enjoy yoga as well because now you have all this it's it's one of the simplest ways of really improving hip mobility is getting up from a low low position but you've got to watch your knees and back as well so that's where you need maybe that personal instruction or guidance. Don't try this at home without Carl's yeah. guidance, people. Okay. <laughs> or, or, someone you know, like physio, or someone like a physio or someone. Anybody who can help you. Exactly. How would you like to wrap up this conversation? Yeah. What do you want to leave people with about something hopeful for them? Yeah, that, that, that there is an alternative to that, that you might have been doing exercises or done exercises in the past that have hurt you and that you, you know, you've done maybe the plank or the core or some hectic exercise and, and you felt, well, you know, when I did squats, it hurt my knees and so I'm not interested in learning how to squat. But, and if you'd learn to do these movements correctly, then there are tremendous health benefits, not just to strength, but in the whole body. So there is an alternative and, and, uh, and also just be careful when you, when you, cause it is a trend where not functional training, just to really question the trainer's background and, and experience and try work. I'm generalizing here, but try, especially if you have pain, work with someone who's got some sort of medical or um, clinical background, because that, that offer that helps a lot to, to prevent further pain and, and yeah. Mm-hmm. And tell us what your website name is, please. So it's Carl with a C, CarlReaderCoaching.com. Yeah. CarlReaderCoaching.com. And you have options to work with you, a little bit more explanation about all this, the different types of people that you work with, because you did mention just now, you do work with athletes and you also work with everyday average people like me and my listeners. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. It's it's a one-on-one on the Zoom. It usually runs between 30 and 40 minutes. And um, it works quite well. It works really well with a camera. If you, if you set it up with an iPad or even a cell phone or laptop and um, 
yeah, it's it's working really well. I've got numerous clients in the US now and and in England, so it's it's going well. And and just it's amazing how much you can see and do on the camera. Yeah, I was really surprised because we did a session and it was um, Carl's going global. <laughs> Come to your home. like the pandemic. No, I'm just- <laughs> oh gosh, no. <laughs> Well, Carl, thank you so much. I love that we've had the discussion about what is functional movement, the natural movements that we have lost because of the way we live in chairs and, you know, sitting a lot and what the possibilities are for people that may feel like this is the way it's going to be forever. I injured myself and it's going to be, I'm just going to be in pain and, you know, don't settle for being in pain people. If you can find someone to help you make small adjustments and get rid of that. And I thought it was really interesting when you said you go to a chiropractor or something, not picking on anybody, but the pain comes back. Why does the pain keep coming back? Because something hasn't been addressed. Right. And then another quick so is, is self-treatment. Like just be careful with the self-treatment. Sometimes there's so many, there's so many experts on YouTube at the moment. There's some, you know, get great results, but others you can really damage yourself uh, trying to like stretch or roof. like foam rolling is a good example foam rolling 50 percent of people will love it and the others are going to be in a lot of pain and you know, oh. just be careful how you just go into the body and, and try and release pain and tension yeah that's a good point really good point and and there's pain and there's pain we should identify or maybe distinction between i have a slight pain in my side because i did too many side bends versus I have pain in my rotator cuff because of an overuse injury, right? I, I yeah. could put cream on my side that hurts with, you know, whatever CBD oil or something on my side, and that might be enough. That's a self-treatment. That's probably okay. I think what yes. you're talking about yes. is really the bigger injuries. Don't just go on YouTube and find some guru of the day who's saying, you know, this is going to work. Yeah, it's, it is, when it comes to chronic pain, quick, quick fix, and there's an ironic here, is it, it's, it's difficult to, you know, they'll and sell you that on the internet, a quick fix to this or that, but it's, it's, yeah, it's hit and miss, but it's your body. So you've got to take responsibility. Yeah. And take good care of it. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Carl, thank you so much. I really appreciate all this information. And honestly, everybody, the session that I had with him was terrific. It was so helpful. And I think if you even just want one session to go over one pain, one thing, it'll be definitely worth it. I know you'll see results. Yeah, thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. Thanks. And be well till next time, peeps. I'll see you next week. That's the end of another episode of the Rebellious Wellness Over 50 podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. If there's anything that you heard or hear when you tune in that you think would benefit a friend, a sister, a mother, hey, even some guys, send them my way, would you? And if you've not ever been to the website, rebelliouswellnessover50.com, head on over there. There are resources, things that I don't always get to on the podcast that might help you age better. Be well till next time and stay that way.